the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Welcome to another episode of The Juice. I'm your host, Solomon Giorgio, comedian, writer, and your new toxic friend. Today's guest is an admitted Bravoholic and Real Housewives aficionado. He is a comedian, writer, actor, and host of the popular podcast, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. And his first solo published book, How Do I Unremember This? Unfortunately True Stories is out right now. Please join me in giving a big juicy welcome to Danny Pellegrino. Hello. You look wonderful. I love the wood paneling behind you. Thank you very much. I got to just apologize in advance. I'm right next to my front door because it's like the best place for internet here. Um, so I'm very close, but it's also cold. So I have, I'm like covered in Aww. blankets. I feel sort of like a bag lady. And um, <laughs> I think every time the male person comes, they're like a couple feet away from me. So if they come in the middle of this, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll invite him on. Honestly, I have no issue whatsoever with that. He probably has some <laughs> juicy gossip to give us anyway. He is the mailman. That's, they, they're connected to everything. Okay, don't you feel like they really do know the gossip? Because sometimes I feel like they, I mean, in our place, they could see in. So I feel like they can see what's going on or they hear what's going on in the yards. I don't know. I feel like they got some good juice. I feel like they would too, but I never talked to my mailman, so I would never find out. They they come at hours that I'm just like, it's 2 p.m. I'm not going to be near my door. But yeah, thank you so much for coming to the show. for having me. I've obviously, I've heard so many wonderful things about you. And I'm obviously like... I come from the world of a Bravo fan, but it's been a while since I've dipped into the shows. So I can certainly catch you up. I can, you know, whatever <laughs> you need. I feel like I know way too much about the Bravo world, and it's a it's a little bit of a passion. It's a subject I know way too much about, though. That's fine. It's a, it, it just intimidates me. It seems very like perfectly staged sometimes, which I love about it. I know about the dinner episodes, the trip that they all go together, even though they hate each other. Honestly, it's like a Greek play uh, <laughs> with, with every new franchise. Who's like your housewife, the one that you would for sure identify with? I mean, I love all of the housewives for different reasons. I think there's certain franchises. Sometimes I'm in the mood for New York. Other times I'm in the mood for Atlanta. It just kind of depends because I do think they all have a little bit different flavor to them. I mean, recently there was a reboot of Miami that's airing on Peacock and it almost feels like a throwback housewives because... In Beverly Hills and on Salt Lake City, there's all this lawsuit stuff happening and there's they're making national news and there's Homeland Security involved and like these really intense things. Mm-hmm. And then you have something like the Miami franchise on Peacock where it's just a little bit lower stakes and it's almost like the yeah. uh, back when they started where they're fighting over little dinner party seats and stuff like that, which I, I find refreshing. <laughs> 
Um, I'd say my favorite at the moment, I do love me some, uh, a woman named Heather Gay. Yeah. She's on the Salt Lake City Housewives. And I just think she's really smart and funny and I, wonderful. And I, I just really like her a lot. Oh, yeah. well, now I feel like I'm, because especially as a gay man, I should be up to par with a lot of the Bravo information. Right. But I'm. Uh, How dare you? I know, I know. It's really, honestly, <laughs> if you revoke my homosexuality, I I probably should at this point. I, <laughs> okay, but wait, I have a question for you though. So, like, obviously, I watch too much of this stuff. I feel like we all have something that takes up our brain space, right? And that's kind of what takes up way too much of my brain space. Mm-hmm. But is there like a pop culture, a TV show, or something that like is just consuming you? See, I'm I'm a, I'm a sitcom person uh, of the 80s and 90s, so I will sit there and rewatch uh, Golden Girls and Designing Women continuously in a loop, and that's just that's my existence. Yeah, there's something about the the 22 minute sitcom or something that I think, particularly now. I mean, I, I was just hopping on Twitter right before we get on here, and there's so much going on in the world, and whenever it feels too heavy, I feel like I go back to either Housewives or like a Golden Girls or it's just like comforting and, and feels warm and good and it's like a warm hug or something. Oh, yes, exactly. Specifically about the shows that I do watch, it's, they are usually like set in a small town. And you grew up in a small town. I did, yeah. I grew up uh, just outside of Cleveland, a place called Solon, Ohio. And Is there yeah. anything you recall from, from growing up there? I remember my grandma, my both my grandmothers I was very close with. And my dad's mother I write about in my book, but my mom's mother she was almost the complete opposite. So my mom's mother was would come over and we'd play rummy and she would have her highball and she would smoke a pack of cigarettes and just gossip. And I remember um, just she, whenever she would come over, particularly on like a weekend, she would come over and we would all sort of spend the whole day. I have two older brothers, but sometimes we'd take sort of shifts playing cards with her or even from a very young age, I remember her teaching me how to make her highball, which <laughs> I think now is, it sounds like so inappropriate. Yeah. And it was like a mix of sort of just gossip and life stories and everything. But I was always attracted to that. Yeah. And uh, I also remember uh, when I was a kid going to sleepovers and my favorite thing was always gossiping with the mom of the house. So I always loved like waking up early and like the other kids would be sleeping yes. and I would go to the breakfast nook and and talk to a friend's mom. And it was like that, that I lived for that. And obviously I'm gay. It is truly the telltale side of a young homosexual. It's like, you kids go play. I'm going to go talk to your mom and become friends right. with her. Like, I think I've probably befriended every friend's mom and just got to a place where I'm shit talking their kids with them. Right. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a story in my book about um, a specific sleepover and the one woman, she would always talk to me about her husband, Rick, and they had such a tumultuous relationship. But I specifically remember just like waking up and having, she would have her coffee and she would pour me a glass of orange juice and, and uh, pop tart or some cereal. And she would just tell me about Rick and like just all their marital troubles. And I had totally forgotten about it. And as I went back and, and really thought, I was like, man, that's kind of weird that this adult woman <laughs> is just giving you all this information freely. All of it, Solomon. It was just like everything that when he, the fights they would get into. And, and then, and then he would wake up and I remember just him, they had just a weird dynamic and he wasn't the nicest to her. I, I certainly don't want to use the word abusive, but it's just like, they had that kind of, they didn't seem to like each other at all. Yeah. And she would tell me all about it. And I, I felt like she always had something to get off her chest. And I don't know, maybe she didn't have girlfriends or maybe she wasn't comfortable going to professional or something. Yeah. But I loved the gossip. Uh, she would just lay it all on me. 
Yeah, I think there's something about a gay closeted kid that just seems like a place of trustworthiness where you're like, you're going to keep this secret because you're keeping a bigger secret, I can tell. <laughs> and isn't there something about a, an older woman too? I, you mentioned the Golden Girls, and mm-hmm. I think w- when you're a young closeted kid or when you come out or you're a gay person, there isn't a ton of representation even now on television in terms of the LGBTQ. And so I think we're naturally gravitated towards the stories of designing women and mm-hmm. golden girls. Cause it's almost like the closest we had to that. And so I think that gave so many of us such a comfort level with an older woman, whether it be like my grandmother or a neighbor or an older woman who's the mother of a friend or something like that. There's just a comfort level that closeted kids had with oh, an yeah. older woman. Well, it's almost like they're living the life we want to live because they're so freely speaking about things and they take up the space they want. They have a lot more agency. So that's why it's like, oh, this is, I almost want to emulate them. And that's kind of where my strength came from. But we're talking about your book, which I actually do want to read because it actually looks like it'll be up my alley, which is, it's how do I unremember this? Yeah. So it's about your childhood specifically or just about throughout? It's sort of all throughout my life. There's a lot of uh, hopefully very funny stories, awkward moments and cringy moments, but um, there's tons of pop culture references throughout. There's a lot of nostalgia. Uh, I grew up loving books by people like David Sedaris, essay oh, yeah. collections. I love I love Phoebe Robinson's work. I love Casey Wilson's recent memoir. And so I wanted to do sort of my version of it. So there's stories about family vacations sort of gone awry. And then there's bad date stories that I've I've had. And and there's a little drama spread throughout too. I, I touch on my depression and and I touch on grief. But for the most part, I wanted people to pick it up and feel mm-hmm. nostalgic and to laugh and to just be able to check out everything is so much now. I, I I hope that people can laugh at me talking to my friend's mom. <laughs> yeah. Just a recollection of tra- past traumas that you tell in a funny manner. That's always <laughs> the best way to do things. Right. Right. Um, right. Do you recall like anybody almost calling you out in high school at all? Or Yeah. There's one situation that I actually write about in the book where I, I was staying at a friend's and it was at that weird time of middle school where you're um, not sure no one's really exactly sure what you like or who likes or whatever. And I was with a a girlfriend's house and she wanted me to sleep over. And I was, of course, wasn't out, but the the dad came in and was like, he can't sleep over. He's a boy. But then he like, wasn't sure if I was gay. And so he was kind of trying to like quiz me almost. (laughs) Um, And then ultimately like this girl just happened to shout out, like, dad, he's gay. And it was like, I didn't even know that I was gay. I, I didn't, what, to me, I wasn't gay at the yeah. time, even though I, I was. So that was a kind of traumatic experience because she's like, he's gay. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I, it, I, it was a, a horrific, traumatizing thing. I ran off and, and ultimately didn't come out of the closet until my early 20s. But um, that was I, middle school. You were the early 20s? I didn't come out until I think I was 22. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I was yeah. 18, which isn't that far away, but I did it the second I got out of high school because I really, I was very spiteful as a teenager. So it was very exciting for me to come out to my parents. Yeah. I, <laughs> I relive that day in my head. It's one of my favorite days in the world. Really? <laughs> Wait, so how did they, were they? Oh, they were they pissed off and I, and I thrive off of that now. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I finished like, they, my parents were the best as a kid. So I feel like that kind of was a bit of a benefit because I was for sure was like, I'm going to tell you, I can be fully honest with you because I'm now can escape the situation. Yeah. 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 For me, when I finally did come out to my family, it was just like, here's everything. Now I'm not, I can't keep any secrets from you. I remember sending like this long multi-page email when I was dating this one guy and it was like, like wait TMI about this 
guy that I was dating. It wasn't even that serious, but like I had written a, a ton of pages just because I was so in the zone of like, now you're going to hear everything. Cause I, I didn't tell, I wasn't honest with everyone before. And so now I'm going to, I'm going to give you way too much information. <laughs> and I just recently reread the email and I was like, I should not have sent that. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I think that's even better. Was the reception fine or... I don't think they even respond. I don't think my mom, I sent it to my, emailed it to my mom and I don't think she even once responded to it or acknowledged it, <laughs> but I sent it. I know she read it. <laughs> okay. She read it. That's good. But that's, that's a very, like to read the longest email and be like, ah, I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you sit yeah, she, to my face. I mean, in her defense, she probably was like, he's fucking crazy. Like it's cause it, it's too much information. I know. That sounds very beautiful. I was very much, um, cause I had the benefit of my elder sister being queer and coming out far more aggressively than me. So that was a very big benefit. Uh, How old was she when she came out? I think she was 16. Uh, but we kind of oh, figured okay. it out because she used to hide her girlfriend under my bed, uh, which was a terrifying discovery to have <laughs> as uh, just to find a white teen girl under your bed as a, te- a black teenage boy. And really terrifying for anyone. To oh, yes. I was I mean, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> and... Yeah, that was a very that was a very fun time for us because that, that was when my, my she, but she was like yeah like eventually like probably like a year later she's like this is my girlfriend this is the way it's gonna be from now on and my parents were like fine I guess we have to do that you know it's always easier when there's other examples around you it's like that's I think that's ultimately why it took me much longer to come out is because I. I had finally moved to Chicago and lived in a city where there were gay people around. Yeah. And so once I finally ha- had experienced like other humans that were different, it, it helped me. Uh, were you, so were there like any moments that were you, before you were out, out that you just kind of like was teetering towards it? Yeah. I, I think I always sort of knew and I'd gone to gay bars and stuff like that kind of uh, secretly and, I remember when I was 18 and on uh, spring break, I I was still in high school, but a group of us went to Myrtle Beach from Ohio for spring break. And I remember uh, the group all went to some bar. It was like an 18 and over bar. And I was like, oh, I'm going to stay behind. And I actually like snuck off to some gay bar that I had found on. And I, before I left, I printed the MapQuest directions. Do you remember MapQuest? Yes, of course. (laughs) So I told everyone, you guys go ahead. And then I took my map quest directions and I was too even afraid to get into like a cab or something. So I walked like pretty far. It was a few miles to this, the nearest gay bar I could, but I was 18. So it was like, I was exploring it, but I, I wasn't officially like out to anyone until 22. That was powerful. That's I, I'm, I'm impressed. (laughs) Were you part of the gossip mill at any point in time in high school and college? You know, as I was about to come on here, I was trying to think about this. And this relates to actually that story of when I was 18. But I remember going to a gay bar around that time. I mean, I think I was 18, 19, maybe. Maybe I was even 17 because I had my older brother's ID. So, But I was around that age and I was at a a downtown Cleveland gay bar uh, called, I think it was the Grid and Orbit or something. Um, But my cousin, her or her friend had saw me there and it became sort of this like rumor in the family. I remember like, I didn't find out about it until later, but there was this rumor that I was at this gay bar and no one confronted me about it, but I had heard kind of through the grapevine later that people were talking about it. And another uh, family member or cousin had brought this rumor to me years later. And 
kind of brought it to me as if like, oh, obviously that wasn't you. And I was thinking in my head like, but it was me. Um, That's wild. Being the rumor is, I think, the most powerful position you can be in because uh, you can sort of reroute it <laughs> or alter it. I was just thinking about something too. When I was in middle school in the sixth grade, I played football and uh, I had, I've always had sort of a problem with food and weight issues and stuff like that. And when I was in sixth grade, I was too overweight to play football, which sounds crazy, but there was like a, a weight limit. And so you're allowed to play for like the preseason and then you have to lose weight for like the, in order to play the main season. Oh, wow. And I, I had gone on like a crash diet as a sixth grader and it was really unhealthy and I lost weight really, really quickly. And I also found out years later that like the principal called my house because they were worried I had an eating disorder. And, uh, and so I remember that always sticks out to me when I think of, you mentioned being the person the rumor is about. And I even remember kids kind of talking and uh, it was like before, right before then people would, I would hear the whispers or something like I was, I was like the fat kid in class. And then after that, it was like the opposite. I remember hearing like kind of people whispering and then come to find out later, my, my principal even called the house cause they were worried. And it just, I, I think it ultimately kind of fucked me so up oh, yeah. so much with food issues too, because it was like from such a young age, both, it, both sides, it was like kind of gossiped about. And so I, that fucks up a person. And oh so, yes. Every time. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's like so, anything, like, I feel like, yeah, weight issues, especially like, I feel like that was something that I definitely recall participating in for sure. Like the poor fat kid in every class that has to endure the whispering behind them. That is truly unnecessary because we have a society that just kind of <laughs> supports that. Yeah. And Solomon, so this was for football. And at the end of the season, I was not a great football player, but I was awarded like the MVP award for the season. And it was given to me because I had dropped the, because people were saying, good job. And so <laughs> it was like this other added layer of like how fucked up, like uh, some people are whispering, the principal's calling my house as if I have a, an eating disorder. But then I'm also getting like this award from the coach in front of like the yeah. whole um, team and parents and everything. And it's just, I mean, weight, weight stuff is so fucked up with so many of us. But yeah, I just think back to that time. It's like, what was everyone thinking? And also that screwed with my head forever. Oh, and yeah. still to this day, it's like I... I overanalyze and all that stuff with food. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man. Mine was always like anytime that any discussion of my femininity as a kid, that to this day will mm. always going to be an issue. Every It took me like till I was 24 to allow myself to cross my legs when I sit down. <laughs> so was there one specific, like, did you cross oh. your legs at some point? And somebody oh, when said, I was a child, I was truly the biggest little sissy in the world. And I had no qualms about it. But my dad was the one that was always like pushing back any chance he could get. So it took a lot of uh, untraining, uh, of um of my issues with uh, being more feminine. Now I have a room full of wigs, so I can't really be too mad. <laughs> we love we love a wig. <laughs> oh, it's interesting there's... with with uh, voices now on podcasts. When I first started, I almost had that childhood voice in my head saying, um, you know, "Watch the way you're inflecting words or whatever that is." And then once I really just started to say, "This is how I speak, and this is me, and you know whatever," that's when. I started noticing oh, yeah. people coming to my show and liking my yeah. show and stuff like that. But but I think we often have that voice in our head saying, you sound too effeminate or you sound too this or that. 
Oh yeah, I definitely was pushing back against that. And now I feel like I've allowed my voice to be fine the way it is. And I definitely, I, I feel like I'm at a, most of the time I'm, I look like I'm just clutching a set of invisible pearls and I just let my arms rest that way and I'm fine with that. I love it. I'm Italian too, so I feel like I talk with my hands a lot. That's the best. Too much. But. You should. Being an active speaker is very charming. People should maintain it and people should not be afraid of being uh, big speakers. That's how I feel. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to read some of the juicy submissions we get from our listeners. It's mailbag time. Okay, let's do it. So the first piece of gossip we have here is uh, I worked on a cruise ship and one of the deckhands took a guest into a closet to canoodle. They got trapped. He freaked, broke out through the ceiling and then took off leaving the girl locked in the closet. And I can only imagine how small that closet was. On a cruise ship, there's not large spaces yeah. there. The rooms are small. The closets are probably small. I don't like a cruise ship anyway. I'm not interested. It's not for me. I don't like being stuck on a boat. Now we hear about all these, like, there was a poop cruise recently, and it's like, with COVID, there was people, yeah. everyone on the cruise ship got COVID. I'm not interested in going on a boat. No, thank I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I've worked on cruises uh, as a comedian, and I've worked on a gay cruise, and I... I don't know if you've ever woken up to EDM music, but it is the worst way <laughs> to wake up. I was one of the few people going to the buffet because I was one of the few people that wasn't on meth. So I was like, it really uh, was. The only um, cruise ship I ever really went on or that I remember was uh, I won, my best friend and I won passes to the Bud Light Party Cruise. And <laughs> it was, so we got free, whatever, but everyone on the boat was winners of this contest. Like they Across the whole country, they gave away tickets to this. So it was the most insane mix of people. And we were just fed Bud Light the whole time. So the captain would get over the speaker and say, there's free Bud Light on the pool deck. And then so everyone would go to the pool deck. And by the end of it, we were all so like full of beer. You know, you can really only drink beer for like one outing or something. When you're drinking it for four days straight, it's just like, get me anything else besides a bubble. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, hooking up with somebody, especially a guest and leaving her, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing to do. It's inappropriate. One of the people that I met on a cruise, he was like, his goal was to have sex with as many of the cruise ship workers as possible. And I'm like, that's, a lofty goal. Congratulations. Uh, and I think like by the end, the last time I checked in with him, he said five. <laughs> oh my God. I was just going to ask. I wanted to know how many. So five. Yeah. How many uh, employees are on a, how, in that specific cruise ship? What, what was oh, the... what, with those big ones? Because um, they, they usually take like uh, like 1,500 to 3,000 people depending. They, so they're gigantic boats. So there's a staff yeah. like usually like 200, 300 so okay. there's you, you have a lot of options, uh, sometimes international yeah. options, because people from other like all over the world work on a cruise and just stay on there for six months at a time. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not a cruise person. I'm not interested. No one should ever go on a cruise. No one should need to go on a cruise. Uh, land exists. You can fly places. You can stay on an island directly, which is that's the worst part of the cruise. It's like you're off. Like they let you off on a spot and like you got six hours and you got to come back. I'm like. This is the worst. <laughs> this is it's too much, too many rules, and the food's never even that good either. I know you get it buffet style, but I'm always. What if the food's terrible and you're stuck with the same food every fucking meal? Look, Danny, Excuse we're not going to be on the same side of this conversation. I I do love a buffet, and I never will not love a buffet. <laughs> uh, I will. I can eat the same thing every single day like a monster. I'm. <laughs> oh, so are you one of those people? You find something you like, and then you do it 
consistently, um, like with food or, or I always think about clothing too. Like, you know, if you, if you find one shirt you like, do you buy 10 of the same shirt? Oh yeah. I have six of this shirt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I do. I am very, I'm very much that way with clothing. I'm that way with food when I cook it myself. Like I make like probably the same 10 things, but if I'm like eating out wise, I'm all across the board. But if you ask me to cook something, you're definitely going to get a chicken dish and it's probably going to be pasta with pasta. And that's really... That sounds good to me. Yeah. It's so effective. That's what I always do. All right. So I have one more. Uh, four years ago, our crazy neighbor put up a huge Trump sign with a spotlight on it every night. After a couple of days, someone drew penises all over it. I do not condone vandalism and we didn't do it, but I did giggle. They didn't take it down. Okay. Wow. So they left it up for everyone could see the dicks. Yeah. Huh. What I don't agree with is uh, not condoning vandalism. I do condone vandalism. If somebody has wronged you and you want to be petty, I fully support you. Uh, I'm personally not going to do anything. But yeah. I'm not opposed to a young woman keying an ex-boyfriend's car for cheating on her. <laughs> I think there's different levels to it. Yeah, I grew up where it's pretty acceptable to throw eggs at some houses of people who've wronged you. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Ohio, in high school, that's what you do. You know, somebody, I remember some guy cheated on his girlfriend. We go to the guy's house. We throw a bunch of eggs yeah. at his car's house. You know, that's just, it is what it is. Yeah, that's I think was... there's levels, though. Maybe you don't do anything much more than that. But Yeah, if you're just drawing <laughs> penises on a Trump sign fully support. If you're uh, drawing a penis on the side of like a major corporation, I fully support. And, yeah, who does I'm pro drawing penises anywhere. Pro dick. I'm pro yeah. dick too. We want to throw draw a penis somewhere. I'm I'm happy to see it. More I'd love to see more penises the more I go out and about into the world. Honestly, show, show them to me all over the place. If you can draw like you can replace eyes with penises, you can replace nostrils with penises. Like it's really it's <laughs> I feel like it's an art craft that I've seen lots of people pull off really well in uh, bathroom stalls all across the country. And I just want to say that if you're out there and you want to draw a penis on something, you have my support. And one of the things that I think HBO has recently been teaching us is that we need to see more penises in the wild. And so whether that be in animation, and like you said, with vandalism, or on Euphoria, yeah, whatever it is, Honestly. I, I support... The, we all need to see it. It's been too long. We've seen so much of female bodies. It's time we start opening up things and, and yeah, it's, show it's us really the dicks. wild how like the work done to cover up the male body, especially like I play a lot of video games. Women are practically in bikinis while they fight monsters, and these guys are wearing twenty pairs of armor. <laughs> and it's like, what is going on here? And also, like, I feel like there should be a video game with guys with nice butts, and that's not happening anytime soon. The way they just flatten every butt on a video game is really disrespectful. Right. right. I mean, I was I was going to say, but have you played Mario Brothers? Because I feel like they have a little, little oh, yeah. you know, Mario yes. and Luigi have a little something on them. They do. I'm a huge Nintendo junkie, so like, I don't play too much of the realistic stuff. I'm like, kind yeah. of, give me a cartoon game. I love a Kirby I love a Mario anything. See, I'm a cartoon. I'm a Nintendo girl too, but I I lean more towards my PlayStation Five, and I feel like uh, I'm being robbed a lot of times. And yeah, I agree. Penises should be more in the mainstream. It should be readily available. Stop hiding them. Free the pecker. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting this movement right now, Danny. Uh, Free hashtag. Hashtag free the penis uh, and put it on the main. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, if you listeners out there want to send me your gossip, we read them all. Just visit teamcoco.com slash heyjuice. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the juice line. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. 
mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom, an official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, kbb.com it. Welcome back to The Juice. I'm still here with Danny Pellegrino, and now's the time in our show when we go to the phone. And I'm hearing from our board operator that today's caller is Steve. Can we patch him in? Please hold. Thank you. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. How are you? Nice to be here. Do you have some gossip for us? Are we going to get some good gossip? Well, you know, it's more of a cautionary tale about gossip. You shouldn't be too excited about gossiping about other people just for some small infraction because it's going to come back and bite you in the ass at some other time. Well, I'll be the judge of that, Steve. <laughs> uh, okay. um, well, what I have is um, I'm, I'm from a small town in upstate New York, and we had a weekly newspaper there that was everyone wanted to get. It came out on Wednesdays, and people were very excited to see it because the most popular section of that paper was called the police blotter. And the police blotter listed the names, addresses, and offenses of anyone who got arrested the previous week or had any dealings with the police. So once that came out, everyone was fair game to go after them. Like someone was bouncing checks or someone was stealing steaks from the grocery store. That was a big one that always happened a lot. So then people would- Wait, they used- a big one was stealing steaks from the grocery yeah, store? Yeah, this, wow. this was a long time ago. This was like the late 70s or early 80s. So Was it a specific cut of meat or was it well, just- Well, the best, the best thing you could get, really. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, strip steaks or something like that. But So that was a joy for people to just get it and then they could make themselves feel better, really, because someone else was down for at least that week. And it went a little further because the technology, there was also a lot of police scanners that people had in my town at that time. And those, you could listen to the actual local police and the dispatchers while they were working, figure out who's being chased or who they're going to investigate or something like that. There's also police scanners in my high school. There was one in the main office that anyone could listen to who was in the office, students or anyone visiting the school. You could just hear what was happening outside in live time. Now, like Danny, uh, I played football when I was younger too. And whenever we won a game on the weekend, I would go into school late on Mondays because I figured we just won the game. What can they do to me? You know, I have to go in the office and they'll have to give me a hall pass. 
to get to class. So one Monday I went in and we're all just sitting in there, the ladies in the office, and I'm waiting for my pass. And we heard the crackle, crackle, and we knew the police scanner was coming on. So everyone perked up to listen. And it was like, okay, uh, this is car 17. I'm at the scene. There was a single vehicle crash. It was a large cargo van crashed into a tree. Oh, well, what's going on there? Are there any victims? Anyone get hurt? Well, no, there's no one here. There's no driver, no passengers, and there's no houses around, really. So we don't know what happened. There's not any witnesses. And then the police officer would be like, well, let me see. Oh, the registration here. Oh, this van belongs to George Robinson. Everyone knew George Robinson in town. He was a contractor. He did flooring. And the van was filled with like carpeting and stuff like that. So the dispatcher was like, George Robinson just reported his van was stolen this morning. And they're like, well, there's no one around. We don't know where to go next because there's no houses. There don't appear to be any witnesses. Oh, wait, one second. I found a little piece of evidence. They found a pair of broken eyeglasses that were bloodied. And on the inside of the temple was a monogram that said Tom Byrne. Now, Tom Byrne happens to be my older brother. And they didn't say a Tom Byrne like they would in a police show or something like that. They just said Tom Byrne because they knew who he was, too. They knew all my brothers. I had four older brothers. Police knew them all. And the people at the school knew them. So once that name came over the scanner, they all just looked to me like, oh, what's, oh, what's, no. what's your brother doing? What's going on? What's going on? And my heart just sank. I was like, oh, man, what's happening now? Oh, another police officer came on and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't Tom Berm work for George Robinson as his assistant in the flooring? They're like, yes, yes, he does. Yeah. They're like, well, where does Tommy think he's going to go with an oversized van full of shag carpet and linoleum? How is he going to get away? What, what was he thinking? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know what, this, what his thought processes were. And then they just figured they had the, safe, the case solved, and they start making kind of jokes over the police scanner for me and everyone else to hear. They're like, well, uh, I know he lives on High Street. Maybe I'll go over there and, and see if he's there. And another officer was like, well, don't bother. He doesn't have his glasses. He'll never make his way home. You should see how thick these things are. And they're joking around and stuff like that. The ladies are looking at me and it gets down to it. She finally writes the pass and says, I swear to God, she said this. Here's your pass, Mr. Berm, reiterating the name that she heard. And she said, try not to run into any trees on the way to class. So I'm a student. How could she just say that to me? You know, I'm just a kid. Yeah, so and you didn't commit like, the crime. <laughs> it's, I didn't right. commit the crime and it didn't matter. But that's what it is. I took a lot of joy previously saying like, oh, you know, Judy Brown was bouncing checks all around town. You know, let's go make fun of her kids and stuff like that. But now it came back around me because someone else in my family was going to be in the paper, in the police blotter. And they're already on the police scanner. And I just felt like an idiot. But even though I was just a student in the school, I knew I was going to be the talk in Tommy and my family was going to be the talk of the teacher's lounge and probably the whole town the next time uh, the Wednesday paper came out. So Ugh. since then, you know, it's just kind of like, all right, maybe you can hold back a little bit. On yeah. That. Yeah. I'm going after people. And you learn these lessons too, just in a small town, I think. Yeah. There's a different level. I mean, yeah. I grew up in a small town too. And it's like, there's a different level of gossip where everyone sort of knows everything or, or thinks they know everything. Yeah. And Yeah. There was a woman who, for whatever reason, just did not like 
my mother, I guess. And she's like, oh, well, there's Mrs. Berm. She lets the library raise her kids. I'm like, what are you talking about? She was a single mother of six kids and we spent time at the library. Sure, we goofed around like that, but she had no idea what the whole story was. But you're right, the small town yeah. thing can just really dig in. And everyone knows everything. There's, there's always those people too in the small town that they, they're even they're even the magnified versions of the gossip. Like they, they're they the yes. ones that it's like they're going around telling everyone and, and acting like they know everything and saying like the fucking library raised yeah. you, which by the way, it wouldn't yeah. be such a bad de- deal. No, I know. It's also a great raised. place to be raised. Better than the honestly. pool hall. That's yeah. Of all yeah, the places exactly. you can leave your child, yeah. the library I think is top 10, yeah. <laughs> top five maybe. So much better. Than <laughs> probably pretty good. Dropping your yeah. kids off at a bar or something. Yeah. You kept your eye on the paper though, because you're just waiting for that type of person to get her come up sooner or later, you know? So, so it just never stops. Yeah. It's just a natural thing. So is the police blotter just done with now? Have they moved on since? No, they kind of, the paper was for my specific town and that kind of went out of business. So it kind of expanded and became like the whole county. So you didn't know everyone that was listed, but they still did that because people just love to to see that kind of gossip in the paper. That's been one of the sad things about sort of the uh, disappearance of print media because it, my town used to have a bunch of local papers and now they no longer have, I think there's a website, but uh, when I was growing up, we always got the local papers every yeah. And then I remember when it moved to Weekly, and and you still got to know the Soul and Times. It was called mm-hmm. like you knew the the local gossip. And and now I wonder if if it's as prevalent without those those print papers. No, I don't think so. Especially if things are online, people aren't looking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's probably it's been reduced down to just Facebook groups, which I think is a shame because uh, I don't have access to those at all. So I've, I'm I'm disconnected from the small town gossip that I get to enjoy in the past. Isn't there also like a an a neighborhood app or something that? People, oh, those are next, truly those are what's it called? Next, yeah, next door. There's next door and okay. citizen, and it is truly it is the worst people yeah. in your neighborhood complaining about the worst things possible. <laughs> it's like it's very much the same situation. Like there's like the gossip that I'm a big fan of is like sort of like like it's not like demeaning like an attack on people. Like I love like pieces of information where it's like we have to put the dots to connect the dots together, but like. When you're attacking individuals and like trying to make claims, and that's that's essentially what those two are. Oh, I see. Thank you so much for telling, give us that story, Steve. That's yeah, um, yeah, Steve. That was that's great. crazy. That was good. Yeah, good thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun, guys. I'm definitely going to be looking out for a police blotter and making sure. <laughs> yeah, you never know who'll pop up. I know. <laughs> It's making me miss that small town gossip, though. Like, as Steve was talking, I'm like, man, I want to know what's going on in my hometown's uh, police blotter and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I definitely, I'm Ethiopian, and we have very much the same, we have a community sort of situation because uh, we're pretty insular culturally. Uh, I miss just having conversations, uh, people sitting down drinking coffee uh, for hours and just truly talking shit. <laughs> yeah. People complaining yeah. about their wives, people complaining about their husbands, especially complaining about their husbands. If somebody wants to complain about their husband, I will always sit and listen yeah. to it. Like there's, there, you will, that's a great way to stop me for, at any moment in time. Like if I'm running, you can literally stop me by saying I'm about to complain about my <laughs> husband. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I get that. I'm usually the one complaining. I'm not married, but uh, my boyfriend and I have been together for a while and I, I love them, but I'm often found complaining to anyone who listens. <laughs> Look, that's that's a great thing to do. I think that's <laughs> it's important and integral to my life. You gotta like, get it off your chest. Yeah, you and, gotta get it off your chest at some point. Yeah, so that's the kind of life that I love to live. But yes, I'm. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Solomon. 
The Juice is produced by Nick Liao, Jen Samples, and Lisa Berm. Executive producers are Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Salataroff. Engineering and music by Eduardo Perez. I'm Solomon Giorgio. See you all back here next week as we dish out more of the low-stakes gossip you love to hear on The Juice. And please, have a juicy day. This has been a Team Coco production. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.